I wish I could be a fly on the wall where y'all are meeting right now for Roots Groups Week 1. I am so excited for your time together. Each week I will do a short introductory podcast, so encourage your friends um, to subscribe to the podcast. Y'all will all be listening to this together, so y'all can just picture that I've pulled up a chair or a piece on the couch or a pillow and I've curled up next to you and we're having a conversation for the next three to four minutes. And we'll do that throughout the year on each of these eight sections, uh, eight verse sections in Psalm 119. And I'm going to be journeying with you. I'm studying it myself. And uh, the Holy Spirit's my counselor and my guide. And um, he is our greatest teacher. And so we submit to him and uh, entirely trust him to breathe into the climate there, wherever you are. Um, I'm sure the hosts and the environment they have prayed for you, they've prepared for you, I have prepared for all of y'all, uh, but it's really the Holy Spirit now that we come into authority under and into submission to, trusting that He is going to breathe um, life and illuminate truth and engage our hearts and transform our lives. And so when I looked at Psalm 119, um, there are so many little key words that I looked at. I, I usually look for words that are repeated in a passage, and so I would encourage y'all to do that. Do you see words that are repeated? Do you think God's making a point in these first eight verses of Psalm 119? If you do, talk about that. Write that down. Circle it. I hope your Bibles are just written in every margin when we're done with this, that your first eight verses in Psalm 119 would just be torn apart in the best of ways with highlighters and red ink and pencils and pens at all the nuggets that you gain from here in order to have a face-to-face -face encounter with the living person of Jesus. You know, it's interesting, in John chapter 6, Jesus actually came down on the Pharisees and the Sadducees by saying, you search the scriptures thinking that in them there is life, and yet you refuse to come to me. And that verse has always made me tremble a little bit because as much as I love the scripture and as much as I love how Psalm 119 points us all to falling in love with the scripture, we all have to remember the scripture as a catalyst for an encounter with a person. The scripture is not the end. It is a means to Jesus. And so that's what I look at when I'm reading anything in the scripture is where is Jesus? Where is he? How can I engage with him? Is he in this passage directly? Is he in it indirectly? What are some other verses that spark in my heart based on this passage that I can flip through in the other parts of the Old Testament or in the New Testament? And so for me, the word blessed was used a couple different times. So I circled that and I looked that up and it's a powerful definition. Um, that y'all can even go over tonight in your group if the Holy Spirit should so lead you to do that. But I always make a list of key words that I think are being emphasized, and you can, you can get a feel of that in the way the author writes it and how many times it's repeated. Those key words that I feel like kind of chart out that first eight verses. And so I'd be curious to hear what y'all's list is of the words that keep coming up or what's the overall theme in the passage um, and for me, you know, I, I know that walking in the way of the Lord through his word is the overall theme, the entire book. 
And so we'll hear and read a lot about his ways and his testimonies and observing his law. And it's not law the way we think of at all. It's this invitation. It's a love letter. It's really the record of God's activities that we can look back on in history, recorded in the scripture, as well as each of you. You have your own record with the Lord. You have your own testimonies, if you will, just like that word is used in Psalm 119, verse 2, that I would encourage you to remember, to preserve, to observe. What are his testimonies with you? Do you think about those often? Do you just focus on what, what it is you want him still to do, or do you remember what he has done? There's power in doing that. And David, obviously, who's the author of the Psalms, uh, sweet shepherd boy, powerful, anointed, soon-to-be King David, um, we hear his emotional heart. We see his fervency. We see his passion um, for the law. And he was talking about the Word of God, and all they had then, of course, was the, the first books of the, the Old Testament called the Torah and what Moses wrote. And, and we're just so grateful that God, through his Spirit, saw fit to breathe out the Psalms through this, this amazing man, this brother of ours, David. And I love where David defines and redefines in the first eight verses of Psalm 119, kind of the same idea. And so he says that the way is blameless, and then he rephrases it, that a blameless way is basically those who walk in the law of the Lord. And that those who observe his testimonies really are those who just begin to seek him continually with all their heart, remembering him, thinking on him. And when you do that, y'all, what do you think happens to your steps? What do you think happens to your ways, to your decisions, to how your life pans out? If your thought life and your heart is one of uprightness, as it says in verse 7, then your ways would follow. And what's crooked becomes straight. And things that are unrighteous. But if there are things in your life that have no part in the scripture, then I would begin to ask you, what is your part with the scripture? You see, we have a lot of people, I think, that value and revere the scripture at a distance with their lives that really don't align with it. But Psalm 119, the entire book, especially the first eight introductory verses, they're inviting us to not just engage with the scripture, but to align your life with the scripture. That it would, it would match what you believe, that your steps would match what you believe. Oh, may we be women that have that, that have that testimony and that bear witness to those around us of lives that live above reproach in every way, not out of duty or obligation or guilt or shame, but out of overflow and passion and fervency because we've been in the scripture. We've been face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the person, the friend, the brother, the son, our Jesus Christ. You all realize we share him. We share him. He's our husband. 
He's all of our best friend. At least I would hope that. He's mine. He is not a part of life. He is life. And as you honor him and seek him with all your heart, you will see him show up in your ways. And if you don't see him show up in your ways, then go back to the source and review, am I thinking on him? Am I engaging with the scripture today? Even this moment, it's really moment by moment. A quiet time is not a start and an ending. It's a posture. It's a lifestyle. And so as we do this roots together, oh, my heart echoes, especially this first week with the verse 4, that he has ordained or commanded or invited or appointed his precepts that we should keep them diligently. May we be women that keep them. That, that means guard, hedge around with thorns, that we keep them. You know, when I think about that, the word picture I think of is a rose bush. You don't put a fence around weeds. Weeds are of no value. You put a fence or a trellis because they're precious, they're fragile, they're tender, they're beautiful, they're powerful. And when you protect them, you know what happens to them? They grow. They spread. And I love that picture that if we keep and hem in and hedge around with diligence the precious, powerful, living Word of God, we will bloom like a rose. We will blossom into who and what He wants us to be. But even more importantly, we will see more of Jesus blossom in and to us. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to know Jesus more and be made more into his image? I do. I want that. And I love how we can end that idea with verse 6 that says, I won't be ashamed when I look into your word, when I look upon your commandments. There is no shame or guilt found in the scripture. And in fact, Romans addresses that. Right? And says there is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ. And so today, tonight, whenever it is that you are meeting and hearing this, I'm excited to see where the Spirit is going to lead your conversations around the idea of this blessed, blameless life, one that observes, that observes His law, but also preserves it and aligns with it in their life. Love you guys.